Welcome to Grace Church. It's great to have you all here. I'm going to ask a favor really quickly. If you could kind of squeeze into the middle, okay? We're, we're kind of full, which is awesome, and, uh, but I think we have some more people that are coming, so if you can kind of squeeze in, that would be awesome so people can find a seat. Um, I would really, really appreciate that, and uh, um, that would be excellent. My name is Justin Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church, and once again, just want to say welcome. It's great to have you here with us. And I wanted to start out just by giving a huge thank you to Pastors uh, 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 Reeland and Pastor Chris. They actually spoke the last two weeks while I was gone and, man, just delivered incredibly powerful messages. So I wanted to say thank you to those two guys. And uh, today what we're doing is we're starting a new series called Blank Slate. And it's answering the question of how. Okay? How do we start afresh? How do we start brand new when everything seems to be falling apart? How do we start afresh? You see, the reality is, is we're all imperfect people. We all have mistakes. We've all done things wrong. We've all made mistakes in our pasts, whether it be financial mistakes, uh, professional, you know, uh, in our career, academic mistakes, relational mistakes. And unfortunately, what we tend to do is we tend to repeat our mistakes especially in the areas that matter most. We tend to repeat our mistakes again and again and again. And throughout this series, we're going to learn how to break that pattern, how to, how to break free from that pattern of repeating the mistakes that we do. And we're going to learn how to pick up the broken pieces and how to begin afresh, how to begin anew, how to have a blank slate. Let me ask you, how many of you have set some goals for 2018, all right? How many of you have set some goals? All right, six of you, all right? Great, that's awesome. We're going to actually change the title of the series to goal setting, all right? We're going we're to talk about goal setting now, just teasing. You know, we all have dreams, we all have desires, we've all, um, you know, set some goals for this year ahead of us. We all kind of envision what we would hope this year would bring. Many of us would like a restart. Many of us would like to start afresh. So let me just start by giving a little bit of a personal glimpse into my own life. I would like a blank slate. I would like to start afresh when it comes to my health, all right? December was really good to me, all right? December, I have a problem. I really like cookies. I mean, I like them a lot, too much. And uh, I I gained a little bit of weight over the holidays. And I'm not going to tell you how much weight I gained because that's none of your business, all right? But I gained some weight. Don't judge me. But I would love to start afresh in that area, start brand new. You see, the problem was is I went into the holiday season without a plan. Actually, I did have a plan. The plan was eat whatever I wanted. That was my plan. But I went into this holiday season, and I ate whatever I wanted to. And I'm entering this new year, and I want a blank slate when it comes to my health. But the problem is, the weight that I gained in December is still with me in January, right? The problems that we face, the problems that we have in 2017 are still going to be with us in 2018. And just because I made some New Year's resolutions doesn't mean the pounds are going to disappear. It doesn't mean the weight's going to go away. You know, it's kind of humorous. It's kind of funny when we're talking about Justin's weight, right? It's kind of funny. But all of a sudden, the mood changes. It gets a little more somber. 
So the, the mood changes when we uh, start talking about your struggling marriage. All of a sudden, it gets really serious when we start talking about why you're flunking out of school. You know, the mood changes when we start talking about your sexual addiction. The mood changes when we talk about why you're drinking too much and you just can't stop. The mood changes when we talk about why you can't stop taking those pills. Why you can't stop cutting yourself. You know, maybe you just lost your job and your career seems to be falling apart. You see, that kind of stuff, these kind of problems, they don't just go away because we made some New Year's resolutions. Many of us would like to have a blank slate. We would like to start afresh in many areas of our lives. But the truth is, it will not be an easy path. It will be a difficult path. It won't be a quick path. There are no shortcuts. There's no miracle drug that you can take to make your problems go away. You can't take some organic supplement, you know, to start afresh. You see, when it comes to your problems, you have to face them. You have to deal with them. But the question is this, how do we ensure that next time won't be like last time? How do, we, how do we change? How do we ensure that the problems that we had in the past, man, I don't want it to be like that again. So how do we ensure that next time won't be like last time? How do we keep from repeating our mistakes again and again and again? Whether it be my weight or whether it be your marriage or your lack of discipline at school or troubles at work, how do we ensure that next time won't be like last time? How do we pick up the pieces and begin again? How do we start afresh? How can we have a blank slate? Over the next three weeks, we're going to focus in on three things, and I'm actually going to give them to you right now, so that way you, you kind of know where we're going. But they go like this, all right? We're going to see it on the screen. And why don't you guys say them with me, all right, just to make sure that you're all awake on the count of three, all right? One, two, three. Own it. Let go of it. Learn from it. All right, one more time. Own it, let go of it, learn from it. That's what we're going to be dealing with over the next three weeks. And today we're talking about own it. And here's what I mean by own it. In order to ensure, to make sure that your negative history doesn't repeat itself, you have to own your role in your negative history. In order to make sure that your past doesn't become your future, you've got to pause long enough. And we don't do this because we're all in such a hurry, but you've got to pause long enough to think about, man, what were the decisions that I made that were not good, that were unhealthy? What was it that I said? What was my attitude like? And you've got to own your piece of your negative history. You've got to pause long enough to actually own your part, your responsibility in your past. Own your part of what went wrong. Whether it be relationally, whether it be professionally or academically or even spiritually, you've got to own your part. And you know, the reason we don't do this is because it's never our fault, right? 
The reason we don't do this is because it's not my fault. I mean, she's the one that left. I mean, he's the one that drinks too much. It wasn't my fault. I mean, nobody can work for that guy. I mean, he's a jerk. I mean, nobody can work for him. Everyone hates him. It's not my fault that my job didn't work out. It's not your fault that, you know, that he was an unfair teacher. I mean, the first day of class, I knew that I was going to flunk this class because he's a jerk. I mean, he's such a mean teacher, and he, he was just pointing me out from the beginning. It's his, I mean, the, the teacher, nobody likes the teacher. That's why I didn't pass. It wasn't my fault. I mean, how was I supposed to know the economy was going to tank? It's not my fault, right? See, in our minds, we, we, we think that we're doing everything right. So when things go wrong, instead of looking at ourselves and what you or I could have done differently, we blame other people. Now here's the, here's the crazy thing. This is actually a fact of human nature. It is in us to blame other people. It's in us. It's been happening for a really, really long time. We're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And this book of Genesis, it's the first book of the Bible. It's a very, very old book. Very ancient text. I mean, so old. It's very old. Okay? And I say this is an old text. And what we're going to look at in the book of Genesis is the story of Adam and Eve. And you may be here this morning and you may not even believe in this story of Adam and Eve. You might be thinking, like, seriously, I thought we moved beyond Adam and Eve. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing talking about Adam and Eve? But the fact is, there is so much insight about human nature in this very old, ancient text. I mean, you're going to learn some incredible things about yourself this morning. And it's older than old, but it still applies to us today. It's incredible. And so we're going to look at a little piece of Genesis and you're going to be amazed at what you learn about yourself this morning. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 27. It says this, So God created human beings in His own image. Man, there's so much packed in that little statement. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And then God blessed them, and He said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, he said something else. According to the author of the book of Genesis, the writer, God said, this is brilliant. This is so incredibly cool. God said that there was only one rule. And you might be thinking, what, there was no Ten Commandments? Nope, no Ten Commandments. At this time, there was only one rule. You see, God gets a bad rap that he's all about rules. You know, I've heard it. It's like, man, God is all about thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. When God set it up in the very beginning, the way he wanted it, there was only one rule. And it wasn't even a hard rule. <clears throat> the author said that God... God spoke to Adam and Eve and said, don't eat from this tree. That was it. Don't eat from this tree. It's not even a hard rule. There was only one. 
There wasn't a bunch of rules. There was only one. There was no need for a bunch of rules. There was only one. Don't eat from this tree. In the beginning, when God had it how He wanted it, there was only one rule. And so what did Adam and Eve do? (laughs) Of course, they did exactly what God told them not to do. They ate from that one tree. Adam and Eve broke that one rule. And as Christians, we believe that when they broke that rule, they got messed up. They got messed up because they broke that rule. And we also believe as Christians that they passed on that messed upness to you and I. Everyone born from Adam and Eve is messed up because Adam and Eve messed up. Like that was the first sin and it was a big sin and we're all messed up because they messed up. God said, don't eat from that tree. They ate from the the tree. They got messed up. Sin entered into the world. And that's why we're messed up. Because we were born from Adam and Eve. And you may, you may be here this morning and say, I, I, don't even, I don't even believe in sin. But the reality is, the truth is, you're a sinner. There is sin. And, and if that's offensive, let me just tell you what I mean by that. There is sin. And you're a sinner. And what I mean by that is, you can't even keep your own rules. Right? I mean, you can't even exercise four times a week. You eat food that's bad for you. You've made New Year's resolutions that you can't keep. Like, you can't even keep your own rules, let alone God's. We're all sinners. And so sin entered into the world. And you don't need the Bible to tell you that there's something wrong with you. You know there's something wrong. And the Bible calls this Sin. And so Adam and Eve, they commit the first sin, and sin enters into the world. And this is where we find out why we're so messed up. Here's here's what happens next. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. This ancient, ancient text pinpoints something about human nature. When we do something wrong, we hide. That's what we do. We hide. We hide from people around us. We hide from people at church. Sometimes we try to hide from ourselves. We hide. And we hide because of guilt. We hide because of shame. And, you know, we hide in the most obvious places. We always get found out. And then what do we do? After we hide, what do we do next? Let's, let's see what happened next. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I, I love this part of this story. When Adam and Eve screwed up, God went looking for them. When they sinned, God went looking for them. Listen, God is looking for you. And He's not looking to punish you. He's looking for you because He loves you and He wants to set you free from that messed upness. He wants to set you free from that brokenness. God went looking for them when they messed up. It's so incredibly cool. Our Father is so good. 
the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Adam said, I I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And that's speaking, basically, Adam felt shame. And he felt regret because of what he had done wrong. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. In other words, who told you that you were guilty? Who told you to feel shame? I mean, how did you figure this out? And then God said, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And so what did Adam say? This is Adam's reply. Adam said, yes, I did. And I take full responsibility for my actions and, and, and leave Eve out of this. Okay? She had nothing to do with this. It is totally my fault. I own my bad decision. If you heard some chuckling, it's because that's not what Adam said. Okay? He should have said that, but that's not what he said. Let's see what Adam said. This is so powerful and important. Actually, before we read that, let me, let me say something else. Okay? This is so incredibly important. The first two people that ever existed, the first two people that ever existed, when they did something wrong, the first thing they did was they blamed someone else. They blamed someone else. The very first thing that they did after they got caught is what you and I tend to do when we get caught, is we blame other people. See, it's always a better story to blame other people. Instead of owning it, it's always better. It makes you feel better about yourself because you say, man, it was their fault. It was her fault. It was his fault. Instead of owning what part you play. And so they blamed, and here's what really happened. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. Adam, the man, replied, it was the woman. Okay? It was the woman. It's always the woman, right? It was the woman you gave me that made me eat from that tree. And so basically what Adam is saying is, God, it's your fault, and Eve, it's your fault, and you two need to get together, and you need to work it out, and when you're ready, you need to come and apologize to me, right? I mean, he blamed God, he blamed Eve. I I can't overemphasize how important this is. Because it affects your future. This affects your future. If you don't take responsibility for your part in your negative history, you will drag it with you into your future. Let me say that again. If you don't take ownership for your part in your negative history, you will drag it with you into your future. And basically, you will undermine your own happiness. You see, you cannot blame, you cannot hide your way into a better future. It doesn't work that way. You have to own it. You have to say, what what part did I play? And how can I be redeemed from that? How can I change? How can I do it differently? You have to be willing to ask yourself some very difficult questions like, What was my part? What was my part? Not his or hers or theirs. What was my part? And you got to own it. Owning your part brings with it clarity. And as long as you're blaming, as long as you're hiding, 
you will not have clarity in your decision making. Hiding and blaming it, it muddies the waters. But owning your part, it clarifies the waters. Jesus himself, he said something that was so profound in the book of Matthew. He said this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There is a clear connection between purity and clarity. The cleaner your heart is, the clearer your mind is. Okay? The cleaner your heart is, the clearer your decision-making will be. You'll make better decisions because your thoughts are clear. They're not muddied with sin and brokenness. Purity brings clarity. The more pure your heart is, the clearer your life decisions will be. In just a moment, I want you to, I want you to listen and watch an incredible story that helps communicate what I'm trying to communicate of someone that, that owned the parts in their past and moved forward into an incredible future. It's a very powerful story, and this story shows what it looks like to own your role And it also shows what it looks like to have purity of heart and what it looks like to see God. Jody Basie, with great courage and with great bravery, she's going to share her story with us through a video. And I trust that the Lord is going to speak to you through it. So I want you to watch Jody's story at this time. My name is Jody, and this is my story. When I was 19, I made a bad decision. Uh, the worst decision. I married someone who my parents and everyone I loved and who knew me told me not to. I was young and I was naive. He had a very shady past. Um, He was a barely recovered addict with an extreme temper and was far, far from what I ever really wanted, but had gotten saved and baptized and was in church regularly, so I naively believed that that was going to be enough of a change. I think maybe it was a lack of faith um, that God had someone and something better for me out there. Things were not easy from the start. Um, It was an extremely emotionally abusive and controlling situation. Shortly after we married, he stopped going to church and just fell right back into the old addictive behaviors alcohol, drugs, and all kinds of immoral behavior. But I was a Baptist preacher's daughter, and divorce was never an option or a word I would even consider. Um, So in desperation to try and salvage the marriage that I was trapped in, I fell into the same activities and the same life that he was in. Um, I participated in that lifestyle for fear that if I didn't, it would get worse. It would be worse. Um, I was just trying to survive this mess that I had gotten myself into. There I was, a lifelong Christian, still completely involved in church, um, serving in ministry, and the rest of the week I was fully immersed into the ways of the world. Um, Gratefully, I snapped out of it, and I realized that I couldn't live like that, but I still felt that I had no way out. The abuse, the constant fear, the infidelity, the um, it just all continued to escalate as time went on. 
Um, every day I prayed and I cried and I begged God to change him and to fix this situation. And I didn't realize until later the way I was praying was like putting God in a box. Um, I was so convinced that I had no way out of this marriage. I was so convinced that God would never condone divorce, would never bless me after divorce, that that just, that was never something I even considered. I was, it just wouldn't happen. So I was praying, okay, God, this is how you need to fix it. You know, just desperately, this is what you need to do. This is what needs to change, um, change him. Um, and change this person that I was married to and this life that I was stuck in. It wasn't until later when I was face down at the altar, I heard him ask me, are you ready to finally stop standing in my way? And at that point, I let go of my demands and my expectations of what God was going to do in this awful situation um, and simply said, do what you will. Do whatever is in your will to fix this and to rescue me from my mess. Um, two days later, uh, he demanded a divorce and it was over. Um, God picked me up and he removed me from that awful situation. By Not by any of my own doing, I had no choice in the matter, but I was free and so very, very grateful. After my divorce, um, there were Christians who not only turned on me, but turned on um, my parents and their ministry. Um, by some, I was looked at as an outcast and was even told by some that God would never be able to use me in his ministry again. Um, but our God is not that small. He is a good, good father. And he blessed me beyond my wildest imagination. He brought back into my life someone who I had known from childhood, who I was in the church nursery and Sunday school with, and someone who was so beyond perfect for me that it's almost funny. <laughs> we wanted the same things in life, we valued the same things in life, and we were both Christians who were ready to dive in and start living our lives for now I look at my life and I can't believe, I can't begin to fathom how far God has brought me from the ashes to this incredibly beautiful life. A life that is everything I had always wanted as a young girl and for a time I thought was a sheer impossibility. I have a faithful, loving husband, two gorgeous little blonde girls, and a clean, sober, peaceful life. Um, it's so humbling to look at God's amazing grace and see just what he's done and what he's still doing in my life. You know, to make peace with your past to make sure that you don't drag it into your future. You have to own your piece of your past. You have to own it. And sometimes, sometimes it's embarrassing. 
Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's very emotional. But if you do, you will have clarity like you've never experienced before about your own future. You see, our God, He is a good, good Father, just like Jody said. And He calls out to you because He loves you. And He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to walk in relationship with Him. And listen, I I think it would be pastoral malpractice today if I didn't give you an opportunity to respond to the story that you heard from Jody, from the message that has been delivered today. In just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to receive Christ. Some of you today have never taken that step to say, man, I've been, I've been trying to do it on my own. And I, it's not working. I'm done. And I, I, I'm going to give my life to Jesus Christ. Some of you have never taken that step. You've never humbled yourself in that way to say, yes, I, I am messed up. I know I'm messed up. And God, I want you to deliver me from my messed upness. So I'm going to ask you to receive Christ. And you saw through Jody's story how God can redeem you. How God can set you free. How God can transform a human heart. Let me just say, if if God, through His Spirit, if if He's tapping you on your shoulder, and you know that the time is now to say yes to God, I just want to encourage you to say yes. Have the courage. You may not believe everything about God, and that's okay. You may not understand everything about God, and that's okay. But just say yes. Say yes, I'm going to start this journey and know more about this good, good Father. So here's the part that might take a little bit of courage and boldness on your end. I'm going to ask you to grab a card that's in front of you. If you're saying yes to God this morning, I want you to fill out that card on the back. It says, today I'm... I'm praying to accept Jesus Christ. And after the service, I'm going to be standing right up here in this corner. And I want you to bring me that card. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to celebrate with you. But I'm also going to give you some steps that you can take to grow in that newfound faith. Some steps that you can take to begin that journey of growth. So I want you to fill out that card. I want you to bring it to me after the service this morning. And uh, Keith is actually going to come. And he's going to sing an incredible song. You're welcome to sing along. The song is called Good, Good Father. And uh, as Keith sings, I just want to invite you, and I'm going to pray, just like Jody said in the video, I'm going to pray that you will say, in whatever situation you're facing, whatever hardship that you're struggling, whatever problems you feel like you can't overcome, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray, Lord, do what you will. Do whatever is in your will to rescue me from my mess. And what an incredibly powerful prayer that would be. Father, I pray that we would purify our hearts so that we can see you. Lord, we know the cleaner our hearts are, the, the greater clarity we have in our decisions that we make on a daily basis, whether it be with our marriage or our parenting or our career, whether it be at school with friends, relationships. Gosh, we we make so many decisions and we have to have clarity and we know we will have greater clarity when our heart is clean. Father, I pray for those today that are going to take that first step and they're going to say, 
Jesus, I want you to be God of my life. I pray that you would rescue them today and they would experience you in ways they've never experienced you before. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.